I can't just lie on the beach all day. I, I just feel like I should be doing something. I can be podcasting with Ryan. I should be podcasting. That's when I get on Twitter and you'll see like Clay's at the beach and he just blasts out like four tweets in a row just for someone to talk to him that's not, you know, immediate family. For some reason your stuff, I guess, because we interact a lot that it like your it stuff just up. always gets pushed up so i see yeah, like everything same, yeah. mm-hmm. and i'm just like <laughs> yeah oh he's lighting up obama <laughs> he must be bored. i thought it'd be fun to tweet obama i mean i'm probably had a beer or two by that point let me put out his he does that list every year of uh his his playlist which, yeah you know whatever it's so perfectly curated where it's like just the perfect mix of every kind of genre to make everybody happy and there are always yeah. some great songs on there but but there's always what? like one like hardcore like right. rap track, <laughs> but like there's no other thing leading up to it. It's just like yeah, Don Henley, Boys of Summer, <laughs> uh, yeah. Bruce Springsteen, whatever the fuck, uh-huh. and then it'll have like you know Ice Cube, Predator, <laughs> right? And then something kind of hip, like you know a little Frank Ocean or whatever the new Frank Ocean is. Um, but then a little you know a little heavy rock or something. just a little yeah. something for everybody. We see what you're doing there, Obama. Yeah. From the great white north and the great American south, it's the border battle of the bands. This is North by South. There's one thing I can't stand. Bar in this cover man trying to fake their way through castles made of sand. Well, that's one thing I can't stand. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the North by South Lodge. It's summertime, and I'm here in the north. I, uh, just emerging from some, uh, summer road tripping, just emerging from Regina, <laughs> emerging from a Regina. Oh, My name that. is Rye <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm from Canada. Yeah. My name is Clay. I'm also, uh, not, I'm not emerging from whatever he's talking about, but it's summertime down here as well. And I just got back from a summertime beach trip about an hour ago. And yeah. I'm your other host. My name is Clay. We're sneaking this one in because we we're just we're just living it up, dude. We are partying. Like a couple apart. of fucking spring breakers or yes. summer breakers. I don't know summer what you'd call us. <laughs> I don't know what you'd call us, but we're scumbags and we love the summer. We love, yeah, yeah. Sun's out. The buns are out. Now they say that. The guns and the buns, yeah. Guns and buns and the suns, all that shit. This is a terrible intro. <laughs> I think the point is, it's summertime, and we're going to do a yeah. podcast episode. Yeah, and this is the latest we've ever recorded in the month. We've got two or three days to record this, edit it, get it turned around, and hopefully get it out to you guys on time. We'll see what happens, Rye. All right. But we're going to try to do it. But yeah, we've just yeah. been busy with uh, Regina's and such. Tell us what Regina is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So uh, my little uh, summer vacay was actually a family reunion thing on my on my wife's side. Um, she is from Saskatchewan. So if you know anything about geography, which yours kind of ends at the 49th parallel. <laughs> um, but but uh, 
the prairies of the uh, the United States there they carry on up so flat land mm-hmm. um lots of crops uh, uh the place we actually went to a little place called Manitou Beach which is like a naturally occurring salt water lake in the middle of the prairies it's kind of interesting i didn't know that existed cool. um but because of the heat wave that's been going on yeah uh that that said uh, saltwater lake turned into a toxic lake that we couldn't swim in so <laughs> nice. not much of a lake oh, man. retreat but yeah either way we saw lots of her family and uh yeah it was fun it was cool good one really cool thing that was out there though we went to like it's like the oldest dance hall in uh all of the of the country oh yeah i saw it's like this yeah i sent you a picture of it uh but it was like this old school dance hall and apparently it's like got horse hair underneath like the dance floor to like make it bounce or whatever i didn't feel that bounce i think that's a bunch of horse shit (laughs) maybe it's just horse shit under there (laughs) that's what it smelled like but uh it was really cool though it's like like an airplane hanger um it, it it's fucking footloose, man. It was like, it was like footloose. It's <laughs> the only way to explain it. But yep. The place was called Dance Land, so I got the T-shirt, uh, big rainbow saying Dance Land. So very cool. It looked amazing. Yeah, yeah. You cool. sent me the picture, and it looked like the kind of place. Obviously, I'm. I say obviously. You probably could guess I'm not a big dance club kind of dude, but <laughs> I mean, if there's ever a place to go to see people dancing, that's the kind of place you want to go. You want to see old people having a great time mm. dancing to old music. That's, that's oh, fun. Yeah. There was plenty of waltzing going on. Yeah. And I journeyed down to the uh, awful state of Florida that has amazing beaches, beautiful green, blue, clear ocean, beautiful yeah. white sand. Um, we go there almost every summer cause it's incredible. Uh, the, the actual beach ocean part, the rest I could do without, but it was a nice trip. And yeah, we just got back uh, a couple hours ago. Yeah. And I said, so, Family, in it. straight to podcasting. <laughs> That's what you're back to what time. I love. <laughs> yeah, and today we got a good theme for you guys. Yeah. We're doing cover songs, but we're specifically doing cover songs that are artists from our respective countries covering songs from artists from the other guys' country. Exactly. So I, I don't know I'm why I went into a voice for that, but I did. Yeah, right as voices now. Who knew? I do voices now. <laughs> I like this that. is my, it's like Morgan Freeman mixed with a little bit of Christopher Walken. I don't know what it it's, is. Yeah, I have maybe a little more Walken. Who, who is that? I'm doing somebody, but I don't know who it is. Yeah, know, maybe it's <laughs> someone who's not born yet. It's somebody, though. Yeah, so for example, I will play an American artist covering a Canadian artist. Right. And you'll do the vice versa, and it'll be fun. Exactly. I like cover songs. I, I think some people sort of downplay cover songs. And for me, I've discovered new artists, songwriters that I love through cover songs, where maybe it's someone who doesn't have the most immediately appealing voice. And so it took someone else singing a, a song by this artist for me to get into it. And then I realized this is a great song. I should check out what else this person is doing. And then I was able to kind of get used to the voice and, and love it eventually. There are a lot of examples of that for me, actually. It's kind of a polarizing thing. It's almost something that you could mention to anybody and be like, where do you stand on covers? Because uh, I might lean a little bit the other way okay. than you. Because a lot of times, a lot of covers, 
are a little too tight to the originals. I, I have no, I have no interest in that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't find it worthy of like being on an album per se. That's when it gets me is like when they do like a recorded version of it covers live. I'm all for it. You know, like you can do a little cover set within your original set. Uh, I'm all about that. That's fine. Cause it's cool hearing a band live playing something uh, or doing an interpretation of it. You see them, you know, actually working through it and, uh, it has that energy to it where it's like there it, it speaks more that it's like an influence of theirs when they do it live and they just kind of throw it in the set. But when something's like they actually go into the studio and they like just try to like reproduce yeah. another song. And then, yeah, what's the point? But I'm glad you said that because I was I was going to say something similar, which is, uh, of course, bands you go see live, they might slip in a few cover songs in their set list. And that is a totally different story than putting it on an album. Uh, yes, because yeah, you you see it live. It's it's in the moment, and you do feel like you understand maybe a little bit more about the, the band, the artist, where they're coming from, what their influences are, mm-hmm. and it's and it's just fun to see live a song that. I mean, hopefully they're picking. I mean, if <laughs> if you pick if you play a cover song, let me say this: <laughs> play a cover song and you don't even pick a good song to cover. Shame on you, because there are. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of great songs from. out there to choose from. Yeah, if you're going to go on that Anyone, one, there's I don't a even lot know to choose from. Yeah. There's some examples where they turn it around so much where they completely obliterate any like compositional melody that's in the original and they utilize maybe the themes or they bring in parts of it or even they change the lyrics entirely. Yeah, if you do a, a different, very different version, then that's one thing. And actually, I think that'd be a fun topic or a theme for another episode, a completely different cover version. That could be Yeah. Fun. Um, you know what? That would almost make a good high five. <laughs> <laughs> Take it away, Rye. I've obviously been steering this train towards this, so you picked up on it. But the idea I had for my high five today is songs that have changed the melody up, different way of covering where it's not trying to like reproduce or be uh, a cover band. You know, these are kind of... Uh, other creatives taking ownership of it or twisting it in some interesting way and some uninteresting ways. Cause it's the high five. It's a mix of all kinds of shit. It doesn't have to be the same thing over and over again. I got five songs here and I have the original and the, uh, the cover lined up. And I was thinking like, I could do this as a game where I play the, the weird cover version and see if you can figure out what the original was. But I think we've done enough games. God, please, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> I was going to reject that idea. I love I love the games, but I don't need yeah. three in a row. Where yeah, I we did back to back guests, and both did tremendous games. Shout yes. out to Quinn and Nate yes. for coming in and giving us that uh, that joy. But I'm, uh, uh, homie, I don't play no games right now. I just want to like show you this shit, dude. I got beach brain. <laughs> I just need to relax, enjoy some tunes, dude. All right. Challenged. So we'll kick off uh, my high five here with this song. So this is the original artist here. And the first one, the twist that they did on it, they're very similar songs, actually. They don't really twist it. it. It's going from punk to a metal cover. So it's not like a huge jump. Um, but the cool thing they did with this one is originally it was in a different language and they translated it to English. So, um, Oh, wow. The first, I'll play the first one here. This is by the band Trust. 
Uh, the song is called Antisocial. Tu passes toute ta vie pour payer ta pierre tombale. Tu masques ton visage en lisant ton journal. Tu marches tel un robot dans les couloirs du métro. Les gens ne te touchent pas pour faire le petit pas. Tu voudrais dialoguer sans renvoyer la balle. Impossible d'avancer sans toucher les barbales. Tu voudrais donner des yeux à la justice. Impossible de violer cette femme pleine de vie. It's hard to find the chorus when I don't know the language. <laughs> I don't know what they're saying. Antisocial, tu perds ton sang froid. Repose à toutes ces années de service. It's antisocial, right? Yeah, antisocial. Yeah. So you do you know the the, the famous cover then? The anthrax. Yeah, I actually yeah. love that song. Yeah. Yeah. So so this is the original, and let's listen to a little bit of uh, Anthrax's version here from State of Euphoria. Uh, this was 1988, I think they did this one, and I'm not sure when the Trust won. 1980, so eight years after the fact. You're So this one's cool. I, I mean, they, they totally like own the chorus. Um, if you even look at the rhythm of, of the, uh, the original, uh, they don't do that. You're anti, you're anti. So like that's total anthrax as far as how he's delivering it. Yeah. They just, I mean, they do it in English. <laughs> it works so better for me. It's kind of an interesting cover. <laughs> yeah. I remember I love this song. I, I don't know, in high school or as a kid, uh, no idea it was a cover until this very moment. Oh, okay. So that, that's very cool. And it is a punk song, really. Yeah. And then a, covered by a heavy metal band. And sometimes that line for me, not being a heavy metal guy, that's kind of hard to differentiate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's not like they're going extreme with like a, a extreme form of metal where they slow it down and like sludging it up or anything. Like it's pretty, it's pretty much just right. like a more badass recording <laughs> of the same thing uh, and this the vocals are obviously very different because uh, <laughs> that french guy is very french right uh, you, you can hear the spitting in his yeah they're gonna get more and more different here as i as i plow through here so let's plow through um you recognize this one right clay you know this song yeah i've heard that Right, so we don't have to fucking listen to it. Yeah, I can get no and, and I will say, I love the Stones. Love them. A lot so more do than I. you do. Well, uh, no, I, I love, love them too. That, I don't love that song. I've come around to them more so than last time we, we Is that right? went back and forth about them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like, they, there's definitely albums worth of things where I love the entire album. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, obviously some fatigue. Uh, yeah, well, like this song. I, I grew up listening to this song over and over again. Never liked it that much. I, I love Exile on Main Street, Sticky Fingers, one of my favorite albums ever. But yeah. you know, I, I, I don't need to ever hear that this song again. Satisfaction. I guess I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to hear a cover of it. But <laughs> You are, but the cover is nothing like the original. Um, cool. do, you know, do you know, this is a pretty popular cover of it because it was made popular in a Marty Scorsese movie. I'm kind of hit and miss with these guys too. Devo, 
did a cover of I Can't Get No Satisfaction and really twisted it up because that's what Devo does. But I didn't know maybe to listen to a bit of that. Uh, it really is. Here. Yeah, You're I didn't right. realize how on unique Primus is because I always thought they were super unique until I started listening to some Devo. Damn, I did not <laughs> think about that, but that sounds exactly like Primus. <laughs> yeah, for me, yeah. this sounded uh, like, oh, that's cool, and I will never listen to it again. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. It's like when it gets too gimmicky where they go in a completely different direction, but there's still enough of the reference to what it was. and it, Or maybe it's that they're referencing something that's so ingrained in your head. Um, like Satisfaction, I only had to play the first two notes of it there and you're, we were over it, you know? So Yeah, where actually, it just feels like an experiment. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of interesting, but it just feels or off. Or something that would Not come like out a of a song. jam, you know? Like it seems like they were right. jamming and they're like, you know, I don't have lyrics right now, so I'll just sing the lyrics that everybody knows right now. <laughs> yeah. And again, if, if you were watching a band and they did that live, you would, you probably have a moment like, Oh, that's fucking great. They're doing that song and it's different and you'd have fun and then you'd move on. You don't want to hear it again, but yeah. If you're a fucking fish fan or something, nah, you know, well, that's a whole other story. <laughs> it does. It feels kind of fish to me. It does like... feel. Yeah. Maybe more Primus, <laughs> but definitely some fish. Yeah. Primus meets fish. Hmm. You got Devo. They're probably both heavily influenced by Devo. So we got to give the props to Devo for at least being really unique in that time. So um, the original song here first by Miss Nancy Sinatra. You all know this one. These boots are made for walking. You keep saying you've got something for me. Something you call love, but confess You've been a messin' where you shouldn't have been a messin' And now someone else is getting all your best These boots are made for walking And that's just what they'll do One of these days these boots are gonna walk all over you so this song was actually covered on uh, Megadeth's debut and drastically altered to be a little bit uh, heinous in its uh, its content or its slant on what the original content was. So much so that uh, the original artist came back to them and said, like, you know, I want nothing to do. There was a lawsuit and stuff like that hmm. where... Dave Mustaine had to go back later on and he to in the subsequent re-releases of the album uh he had to like actually redo it and sing it like it was originally sung <laughs> to appease this person because they had deemed it vile what he did to the song. Oh no. Uh 
But this is, uh, yeah, so off of Megadeth's debut album, uh, this is These Boots. This is the uncensored version from the original Killing Is My Business, and business is good. And just a shout-out to uh, So Far, So Pod, So What, a Megadeth podcast that we're kind of loosely associated with in our Deep Dive podcast network. I love those guys, uh, John and Greg over there. So give them some props here, play some Megadeth. This is These Boots, the original version. So Megadeth does kind of gimmicky thing where they dip in and out of the original vibes um, and then do very raunchy vocals, which would definitely get Dave canceled in today's culture. It's very much, uh, it's very misogynistic and kind of like, you know, you've been kissing when you should have been screwing, kind of like macho. It's got some macho stupid vibes, but it's cool what they do with it as far as like how the instruments... uh, I mean, they obviously go into their thrash vibe, but uh, it's one that I kind of like just because it's so subverted from the original that it pissed off the original artist. So I kind of respect that. That's why yeah. I wanted here. I was going to say, uh, I don't know the lyrics, but I do like that. This is a totally different version. It's pretty cool. And uh, maybe the, the original Nancy, uh, maybe she had a reason to be upset. But yeah. my initial thought was, I mean, these boots are made for walking. Like it was intended to be kind of a badass song, even in yeah, a exactly. simple yeah. genre or you uh-huh. know a different sound that maybe isn't considered badass. But mm-hmm. you know, maybe that was an inspiration, and they took it. Uh, sounds like a to a bad place. Far, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, musically, it sounded cool. I actually kind of like this, and it's totally different. Yeah, and that's a good approach to a cover. All right, so let's let's bring in some Canadian content here. I got two more for you, Clay. I know I'm, I'm taking up some time here, but it's high five. Uh, you know who this guy is. More Neil. Yeah. Love this song. I wanna live. I wanna give. I've been a miner for a heart of gold. This is one that you hear all the time that I don't get tired of. Never gets old. It's a great song. Just lush. Oh, I love all the layers in there. Ben Keith sounds amazing on this slide there. So good. So, yeah, Heart of Gold, Neil Young, obviously, uh, from the Harvest album. Uh, his Probably his biggest solo hit, I would say. Yeah. Maybe Rockin' in the Free World is pretty associated with him, too. But that was the one that, you know, as we covered in the last episode, kind of put him into the Ditch trilogy there, where he felt like he needed to uh, redirect his, uh, so he doesn't become like a pop icon. <laughs> uh <laughs> But this album, uh, or this song, was actually covered by uh, a lady named Tori Amos, who I love what she does with covers. This is from her album Strange Little Girls, which is notorious for um, the idea that she sang a bunch of songs that were like overtly a male perspective and like twisted them a little bit as far as like how she delivers. Um, she's a fantastic <laughs> I 
kind of like a twisted 90s vibe to me. Um, yeah. This one really plays really well, like, in the headphones. Um, but it can be abrasive, just out of nowhere, probably here. <laughs> <laughs> when my wife and I first started dating, we were in our, we were in our early 20s. And, of course, we both love music. We'd play music all the time. And we made a rule early on. We could each pick one band or artist that the other one could not play around us. And my wife chose Wilco, who she now loves. Oh, she was like, I can't listen anymore to this Wilco. Because right. I was way into them at the time. And uh, and I chose Tori Amos. And I know <laughs> Tori Amos is a, a huge talent. I know people love her and for good reason. Something we about haven't her made that agreement, yet, the wrong but way. we should. We should make a similar agreement. We should, we should with make. some other bands, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Something about her just I, is just, she a trigger for you? It's just I find it annoying, and I don't know yeah. why. I won't know how to explain it now because I didn't know how to explain it. <laughs> it yeah. mattered to my uh, future wife <laughs> twenty years ago because I yeah. listen to all kinds of sad, depressing music. It's probably the main thing I listen to. Something yeah. about her voice and a lot of her songs just make me feel bad. And maybe that's a tribute to her, mm-hmm. uh, that it's it affects you in a certain way. But yes. I didn't enjoy it. It just made me feel bad. This is not in that same vein, but it also... No, this is, this is a little like different than a lot of... This isn't like a typical Tori Amos. That's why I'm saying like it has this kind of like secondary kind of 90s yeah. industrial vibe to it. It sounds more like PJ Harvey to me or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. like something that's a little bit more. Well, like a lot more. Yeah. I love PJ. So yeah, I, I dig, I dig those girls. Um, but I totally get what you're saying as far as like it being one that you could shut down and pick as the one. I don't know what I'd do with my wife. I'm trying to think. She yeah. I don't really listen to anything that like I hate. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll make the same deal. You can't play Wilco around me. Anymore. <laughs> yeah. That's probably fair. All right, so uh, here's one that everybody loves, uh, not depressing at all. <laughs> Hello, darkness, my old friend. You know, yeah. Paul and Artie, talk with you again. the sound of silence. Because a vision softly creeping left its seeds while I was the classic. Sleeping. Yeah, I don't care for it's it. It's a either. very often covered song as well. Um, there's a lot of bad covers of this. Uh, I think it doesn't like um, Tool or Perfect Circle or something that they cover it. Uh, I don't know. There's some like, okay, should... there's some like popular metal band that covers it as well and does a more traditional version of it, and it's dog shit. Um, but <laughs> so this is the last one I'm going to do here, and it's a metal one again. But this is a cover that I didn't really realize it was a cover. Back then, like such an iconic song that like you've obviously heard a billion times, the graduate soundtrack and all that stuff, right? Uh and more yeah. in my vein it would be old school when they <laughs> did it <laughs> in that movie, you know, something like that. Yeah. Uh but there's a band, so early two thousands when I kinda got into metal. This is a band called Nevermore, and uh they were out of Seattle, I believe. Um, but I really love this album. It was called Dead Heart in a Dead World, and this is their interpretation of Sound of Silence, which I didn't pick up on the connection until far after. Even though the melody's right there at the beginning, but... Yeah, it is when you're thinking about it. There's a quick, quick left turn here, too. 
So yeah, Young Ryan lost the here for this one. <laughs> Not reeling. Yeah, this is cool. Yeah, that, yeah, that's perfect. Totally different from the original, but doesn't feel gimmicky to me. Just use the yeah. melody. And then, yeah, put some double bass drum on Simon and Garfunkel. Why the hell not? I like this. I think I like this more well, than yeah, the original. Yeah, that's the thing. It, 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 like, obviously, the melody at the beginning is following the vocal line, um, but then it's a completely different, just their own song uh, with all the the cool double bass yeah. stuff in there and uh, a really chuggy seven-string guitar, which is kind of dated at this point, I think, because you know, it's associated with that new metal corn kind of thing. And even his vocals get into that, like, I'm going to be creepy for a little mm-hmm. bit and then I'm going to go like this, you know, it, it, it's, yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's not, not what I'm into anymore, but these guys were cool. Um, I saw them live a couple of times and like, uh, they play this one. It was pretty, pretty badass, and just beasts as far as playing. Um, but yeah, that yeah. was the last one that I had in there. Um, songs that have subverted it enough that, they caught my attention anyway. And if I had to spend more time, I'm sure I would have found hundreds more. <laughs> um, yeah, those are good. They made it their own thing. Mm-hmm. So the whole idea behind that high five is that it kind of le- leads to how I picked mine today, which like I said, covers have to be a little bit different. They have to do something with the melody or subvert it in some way for it to be interesting to me. But not in a cheesy way where they're subverting it, like doing a super happy song and doing it depressing or something like that. That's gimmicky to me, so that that wouldn't excite me. But for my selection this month, I went with... Uh, I'll start with the song, obviously, that's being covered here. This is a baby boomer wet dream band. Uh, <laughs> everyone knows the Traveling Wilburys, right? Of course. So it's a super group. You got George Harrison and Jeff Lynn, who are from the UK. So it's not strictly Yankee here, but the idea of border hopping does come in here because you got some of the biggest names from the States in that lineup as well with Tom Petty, Roy Orbison, and everyone's favorite, or at least you and I, uh, Bob Dylan is in there. Love him. And they also got uh, Jim Kethner who's not really listed as a Wilbury, but he was a session drummer, not officially. He wasn't given a, you know, Wilbury name like they did in the fucking line. Yeah, arts or incredible the, drummer. I think they called him the, the Sideberry or something like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you don't know the name, you've heard him play on a million songs. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. The song's called Tweeter and the Monkey Man, and uh, it's off of their volume one. They did two albums, I think. Um, but... Uh, like, you know, Traveling Wilburys, okay, they're not really my jam uh, based on, like, how I received them when they would have been coming out. It would have been, like, the early 90s or something that they were a thing, yeah. I believe. I always saw them as kind of like the dinosaurs. That my, like, my dad was stoked on the Traveling Wilburys, and I was like, oh, God, really? Okay. At this point, I'm, like, on to Ugly Kid Joe or whatever, right? Right. Um, but here's the song, and in current... Day, I appreciate this one. This is a great song, actually. Tweeter and the Monkey Man. Let's just burn through some. Tweeter and the Monkey Man were hard up for cash. They stayed up all night selling cocaine hash. To an undercover cop who had a sister named Jan. For reasons unexplained, she loved the Monkey Man. Tweeter 
Charlie hopped into a stolen car, took Highway 99. And the walls came down. All the way to hell. Never saw them when they standing, never saw them when they fell. So yeah. Uh, Dylan, of course, on the lead here. This is a very Dylan-esque song, so I like this one a little more than some of the uh, other ones on the album. Because they do kind of all have their own identities within the the album, if you've listened to it. You know, I just didn't buy into the Boomer All-Star Band. And uh, some of that stigma, I guess, is still in, in me when I hear them. But even though, like, Petty himself, he was probably, like, a little bit younger than the other guys, obviously. When you're talking like George Harrison, a fucking Beatle, and like Roy Orbison, like what? How old was he then? Oh God, I mean, yeah, he was, was big in the fifties, yeah, right? up there. Yeah, so I'll give uh, Petty a bit of. Uh, he was probably like the gap bridger there, because like there's a lot of '90s Petty stuff that I just love, and I loved back in the '90s, like the Wildflowers. Album. Yeah, great album. Maybe it was Tom Petty's Make a Wish Foundation project to get to sing with Dylan. And it has that vibe. Everybody just like is like crowded around Dylan. He's just like, <laughs> yeah. This is like one of the only songs that he like leads, but he's always there. And like it just seems like with Dylan, it always seems like there's worship when there's other musicians. Of course, yeah. and I think there's two reasons for that. One is because Bob Dylan is so fucking great. He's one of the greatest songwriters of all time, and and was just happened to be born or active at a time where he changed music with the folk stuff and then going electric. But I think the other part of it, number two, is that his personality, he's a prickly guy. I don't think he's hmm. easy to warm up to. He's always an enigma as well. Right. So people people like that they are subjected to his prickliness. Yeah, you like can, that. Can, can claim that they're close to his prickliness. Yeah, you go in loving him, worshiping him, and maybe a more down-to-earth, cooler guy. And I love Dylan, <laughs> but maybe a more down to earth, cooler guy would actually make them feel like equals or friends, even if he didn't quite believe that. And I don't think Bob Dylan yeah. is the guy who's going to do that for you. <laughs> no. And so the song, it like I said, very Dylan. It's got like that, like multiplicity of words. Like the story is extremely detailed, but it leaves you guessing as far as like what the heck's going on. It chronicles this story of two drug dealers, Tweeter and the Monkey Man who are being tracked down by an unnamed undercover cop. And there's a complication added to it that Dylan blatantly states in the first line that the cop's sister is romantically involved with the monkey man. So it's like there's this this intertwined grouping of people. And it's very fucking Springsteen. You know, like... It's characters and like the interaction of the characters in real time kind of. And that was intentional because apparently I found this quote from Tom Petty talking about the creation of the song where he said that it was uh, a direct connection to the boss. Like they had, they had specifically said, um, we got to do a Bruce Springsteen titles. So he got like all his like references to Bruce Springsteen threw them in there. And it was clearly meant as, praise as far as like Dylan wanted to do a song in that style but they might have pushed a little far and kind of almost uh, comes off as a little like mocky of him or at least Rolling Stone magazine would think it's mocky uh-huh. but just because it's set in New Jersey and it's a character study and like that's the boss's territory obviously but it's a homage to to Springsteen who could 
have easily been a Wilbury if he were not so fucking badass. Well, yeah, it makes <laughs> sense because everyone in the traveling Wilburys either Springsteen ripped off or they ripped off Springsteen. They ripped off. Pretty yeah, tight. The first the Springsteen albums are like Dylan, right? Like he wanted to be Dylan. And he loved Roy Orbison. One of, one of his greatest ever. songs mentions Roy Absolutely. Orbison. Yeah. Anyway, can I, let's get to the cover. Before we do that, you wanna, can I take a very yeah. brief moment to air a grievance, which you've already seen me air on Twitter, about Bruce Springsteen. Oh, yes, yes. Millionaire Bruce Springsteen, man of the working people. You know how much our, I Our boss. Are you going to slander I'm gonna, about boss? to slander the boss. Sometimes you got to stand up for yourself. When the boss goes wrong, you got to mention it. Fair enough. I'm here for you, buddy. Bruce Springsteen is going Union. back on tour. I've never seen him. My uncle, who uh, I won't get into that, he's seen him a million times. He loves them. He loves him. He loves them. He loves Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. E Street Band. And uh, so we're trying to go see, get tickets. And uh, tickets are outrageously expensive, like nothing we've ever seen before. I don't want to blame Bruce because I don't think he, I think it's Ticketmaster running up the costs they've got this yeah, new yeah. thing they're calling uh something some bullshit like market driven ticket pricing or something which basically just means like if if a lot of people want tickets we're just gonna run up the price and what we're seeing tickets uh even before the scalpers on sale for thousands of thousands of dollars and i don't think that's cool and bruce if you're a man of the people and you're listening to this podcast do something you do, i don't think you created yeah. this situation at all but i think it would be a great time to sure step in and say like it. look yeah. i'm not playing these fucking shows unless we can sell tickets for less than two thousand dollars a pop yeah and i mean artists have done that um it's happened you, before look at pearl jam they completely just disown themselves from the from the whole system but even like the way that Metallica pushed back, I mean, come on, Bruce, are you going to make Lars look like more of a man of the people than you? Seriously, <laughs> Bruce, you cannot be outdone by Lars. I'm begging you. And and he's getting, there's a lot of press, a lot of negative publicity. Uh, mm-hmm. This little podcast won't matter, but maybe some of it will overall. And I hope Bruce does the right thing and, and figures out with all the power that he has, all the money that he has, all the authority that he yeah. has, there has to be something he can do. And uh, I love Bruce. I love the songs he's given us. Yeah, because, I mean, this is like one of the last runs, and there's a lot of generation, like our generation, who still haven't seen him. Like, I haven't seen him either. Exactly. And, like, I'm excited to try to see him with my dad uh, if he rolls through Detroit or whatever. Exactly. But when I see shit like that, mm-hmm. I'm just like... You can't, yeah. you can't go out like this, Bruce. This is against everything you stand for or you claim to stand for. you got to do something about this situation. It's bad. Yeah, and it almost made more sense for his like uh, Broadway show. That's fine. Because of what it was. It was this exclusive thing. It, and that's I was fine. Like, okay, I get it that it costs like a thousand bucks to go see right. that. Or, yeah, you're but on Broadway in New York City. There are very like limited a, seats. But we're talking yeah. about arena shows where the cheapest seat is like, there are a few like $250 seats, then a bunch of thousand dollar seats then some three four thousand dollar seats like this is not okay no there's some heinous shit going down here and we need to reverse it (laughs) (laughs) let's use all our power we're gonna try (laughs) i said my piece i'm sorry rye no that's grand yeah uh that's a couple of grand actually (laughs) but uh 
yeah, so let's get to my cover of Tweeter and the Monkey Man while it's still fresh in her head here. Um, this is from the band Headstones, who are actually very local to me. Um, they're from the same city that I currently live in, but it's a pretty big Canadian band. And they had a hit with this cover, um, Tweeter and the Monkey Man, obviously, from their album Picture of Health. And the monkey man were hard up for cash They speed up all night Selling cocaine and hash To an undercover cop who had a sister named Jan For reasons unexplained She loved the monkey man Was a boy So yeah, uh, completely different melody. Kind of takes out that. The other one kind of has like a western kind of like swing to it. Um, they do a very straight ahead uh, rock, but uh, really cool cover. I love um, I love the headstones. Hugh Dillon, the vocalist. I, I love his vocals. I love the way that he delivers lines. Um, it's always the same. He's, he doesn't have much range <laughs> per se, but. What do you think of the vibes of the headstones here? This is a a band that I really like, so I'd like to hear what you think of this. I like this a lot. I've never heard of this band, and I've never heard that song before by the Traveling Wilburys. I was kind of like you with the Traveling Wilburys, where uh, I didn't care at all when they came out. It seemed like an old man thing. I probably should revisit now because I'm now at the right age <laughs> and i and i well, like all those this artists. song is really it's uh, <laughs> really the only big revisit like you know the handle me with care and like like that song is just ugh, there's actually a, a cover by i think it's jenny lewis uh of that song that i like a lot handle me with care oh. much better than the original so maybe that's where we, maybe we should, should put together a compilation of covers <laughs> of the traveling wilburys tribute but uh, the tribute Wilburys. Yeah. But yeah, this this strips away all that kind of boring old man stale bullshit, and it's a straight ahead rock song. Uh, yeah, and it makes sense that it's a well written song because it's Dylan. Mm-hmm. This 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 works for me. Yeah, it's going from Bob Dylan to Hugh Dylan here, but I know that Hugh Dylan is a big fan of Bob as well. Um, lots of references to his lyrics and within his lyrics as well. So. Yep, yeah, keep it going here a little bit. Close behind, 
Twitter and the Monkey Man from the Headstones. Or Headstones. I don't think they're called The Headstones because The Headstones was taken by some like 60s band. So they had to just be Headstones. Headstones. There's a lot of that in Canada where they have to like add something or take away something (laughs) just to clear their name because we're not very original up here. (laughs) But that's perfect for covers, right? (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. That's a great cover. So with this, yeah. And they actually did subvert it quite a bit as far as like when you listen to the original um they took out a couple of verses even and a lot of the story um one thing they he switches a mention where they say jersey he switches it to kingston which is the hometown that i'm in his town or whatever so i don't know that's kind of cheesy i think just throwing his own home that's almost like getting a pop from canadians <laughs> i don't hate it i don't hate that at all. <laughs> make it your own I guess he's making it his own sense, but he also took out a verse that's kind of where the original takes a left turn. So he kind of simplified the song into this like caper. So Tweeter and the Monkey Man, uh, there's a whole shootout scene there where he's uh, the Monkey Man's using Tweeter as a shield, so he turns on it on her or him. So that's that's where the in the original there's this thing. So the whole thing is. I believe Tweeter is a cross-dresser or transgender. And there's a whole verse that Dylan spouts about, like, uh, he does from the first person where he's like, I used to know Tweeter when Tweeter was a man. Now he's wearing dresses or something. So there's this, this like, kind of um, dog day afternoon kind of. Sure. That's what I associated with, like, that. This whole weaving uh, soap opera thing in there with... Uh, but the headstones kind of <laughs> kind of strip that out and make it a straight ahead thing, which is it's cool. But uh, the original is cool too. Yeah, I think it's a cool story thing. I mean, Dylan, you know how he is with words, um, right? But that is something that they did make it their own in a sense. Um, but I love the song and I love the album too. Picture of Health, their debut, uh, worth checking out for sure. All I know is that Dog Day Afternoon is Al Pacino's best movie and one of the best mm-hmm. movies ever made. 
And this, this is a cool song. And I'll check out the, not the, I'll check out Headstones. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I like it a lot. They, like I said, you know, they made it their own. Um, and another problem with covers is sometimes you feel like you can almost take it too far where you made it your own thing. And then it's like, why are you even sharing songwriting credits? Like just write your own lyrics, mm-hmm. but it's not that like it, it, the story is important. It still stayed true enough to the original while doing something very different. Yeah. And I don't know if it was a deep cut because I don't think it was a popular Wilburys tune. I think the only reason it yeah, was never like, it. on anybody's radar was because it's the Dylan song from the album kind of thing, you know? Um, so for them to cover it, and this is 93 when they covered it. And when was Wilburys? 88. Well, don't quote me on dates. Yeah, yeah. if you want dates. We're not here for Wikipedia. dates, man. That's You can look up. We're just giving our shit. Out on Wikipedia, if you care about dates and facts <laughs> and shit, we're just going to make up stuff and uh, be a couple of cool bros that are playing some music for you. <laughs> exactly yeah right so uh, that was great stuff i'm excited about my selection today for a couple of reasons one is that i'm going to talk about an artist that i love as much as any and it's outside of the wheelhouse my wheelhouse that people might expect from my skinner show or even from this show plus it happens to fall in line very well i think with the way you set me up this is a cover song that's very different from the original. Nice. And then finally, there was a current event, just luckily, that happened. Uh, something happened a few days ago that actually makes this very old song uh, sort of timely. Somebody die? No. <laughs> Good guess. <laughs> so I'm going to do a cover of a song by someone that I think you love, one of your greatest Canadian artists. And I'm not even going to go, I'm not going to give a bio, not going to go into a lot of information about her because that's, that's yours. You'll get your chance. But her name is Joni Mitchell. Ah. Are you a fan of Joni? I'm a huge fan of Joni. I love Joni. Yeah. I bet you love her album Blue. I do. That's, that's one of the, one of my favorites. Legendary album. One of the greatest albums of all time. Uh, Yes. And so I'm going to do a cover of a song off that album. The name of the song is A Case of You. Yes. In case anyone doesn't know it, before I announce the uh, artist that's covering it, I just want to play a very short clip from that song. I am a lonely painter I live in a box of paints I'm frightened by the devil and I'm drawn to those ones that ain't afraid I remember that time you told me You said love is touching souls Surely you touch my anchor Part of you pours out of me And these lines from time to time
Face of You. It's about uh, Leonard Cohen. Uh, it's about um, Graham Nash, isn't it? No, it's Leonard Cohen. Uh, Are you sure? I could drink a case of you and not feel drunk or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, not fall down. Drawing, drawing your face in uh, the map of Canada. Is that, uh, yeah, I think it was about their relationship. I thought it was so, about Graham Nash, but it, I don't. I'm not. I sure. bet you they're not a Joni if, expert. If you ask, if you ask David Crosby, he probably says it's about him. <laughs> David Crosby definitely thinks it's about him. <laughs> <laughs> that we agree on. <laughs> so. The song is A Case of You, which you know very well. It's an amazing song. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to play a different version of it. And I probably still like the original more. I like Joni's version or the original. Yeah, I've heard some Joni Mitchell covers and I've always come back to her because like nobody can nail what she does with with her voice. Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. And she was kind of the beginning of ushering in that emotional very open singer songwriter style and no one's done it better than her, but there is a, a young man that I love very much from uh, Minnesota who was a huge oh, Johnny Mitchell fan. And his name is Prince. Okay. He covered this. He covered Joni. This might okay. test your limits. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And I, and I think that's one of the reasons I want to do this because I think it's a surprising connection. And so yeah, yeah. before I play the music, I want to make the case of you of you <laughs> i want to make the case to you of how prince was worthy of covering With Joni the number Mitchell. two <laughs> did he change it to case of you or i guess there's no numbers in there oh <laughs> sorry keep going right he 100 percent did i was gonna get to that <laughs> the case of you you y-o-u oh you <laughs> is definitely the letter u i this thing writes itself how did i not know yeah. he covered it he definitely did you know, th- I'm excited to hear this actually because uh, Prince is like, I'm not like the hugest Prince fan, Prince but guy. I have gotten into him in like waves, mm-hmm. and just thinking about him doing the vo- well, l- let's listen to it. Let's well, listen. we're gonna get to that, but before that, uh, I mean, I think Prince is Prince is worthy of doing anything he wants because Prince is, I think, if not my favorite, at least the most impressive artist of all time. He can play guitar as well as anyone. He can dance as well as anyone. He can sing. He can write songs. He can play a million this instruments. Is the, this as is well the part of Prince that I don't that I don't like. Is everybody talks about his guitar? Oh, he's the most amazing guitarist. Well, he's this. Have you watched he him play guitar? Instruments. I I have, and um, yeah, he's good. But I mean, like, I, no, I, no, I I don't know. A lot of the stuff, a lot of the stuff with him is that there. Everybody always goes. He does all the music. He does everything in it, and it's like that. It's not impressive. Well, it is impressive. I'm, I'm on the fence with Prince. I'm back and forth with him. I, 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 I don't actually, know if I'm drinking the, the purple Kool-Aid, but I am into his vibes. I actually would love this, right? Go at, as hard at me as you want, because I'm very secure in my love of Prince. That's good. And, uh, I like So that. go hard. I get it. First of all, I will say it is impressive to play all these instruments as well as he did, but it doesn't matter if you don't like the songs and maybe that's yeah. where you are going to land, but he wrote amazing songs and was an amazing singer and did everything. Well, that's, that's the whole point with Prince. Uh, yeah. He did it all well, but before we get into that, <laughs> uh, he was a huge fan of Joni Mitchell and Prince was always kind of coy and weird with the media and didn't always talk very much about his influences, but there were several occasions where he talked about how much he loved Joni Mitchell and she knew it. Uh, years back 
So let me let me go to a couple articles. I did some serious research for this one because I can't fuck this up. Right. This is Joni Mitchell and Prince. Gotta get it right. No, this is this is big. Yeah. This is huge. I'm I'm not meaning to take the, the window you're saying. No, I know I like this. Fly, I know you don't like Prince. Fly your uh your Paisley Park. My purple flag. For your purple flags. Yeah. Let me just back up a little bit. Here's Joni Mitchell talking about Prince. And again, I'm just proving how Prince adored Joni Mitchell, and uh, this came from a very legitimate place. And I will say that Prince did not do a lot of covers. He did sometimes in concert. He'd do like old R&B, soul, funk covers. Certainly did not record a lot of uh, cover songs. And why would you when you are constantly writing hundreds of songs that are great? But he didn't record a lot of cover songs. He did record Joni Mitchell's A Case of You, And he did several versions of it over the years. But let's back up. Let's start with uh, Joni Mitchell. She's talking about Prince. And Joni Mitchell says, quote, Prince attended one of my concerts in Minnesota. I remember him sitting in the front row when he was very young. He must have been about 15. He was in an aisle seat, and he had unusually big eyes. He watched the whole show with his collar up, looking side to side. You couldn't miss him. He was a little princeling. Prince used to write me fan mail with all of the U's and hearts that way that he writes. And the office took it as mail from the lunatic fringe and just tossed it. End quote. That's, that's a great backstory already. Yeah. How did she see it? If he talked, did she just go through her garbage? Don't poke holes in my amazing story. <laughs> this makes, that doesn't make much sense. <laughs> No, that's a great story. How did she know she saw Prince when he was 15? I don't know. Are you calling your beloved Joni Mitchell a liar? <laughs> he had a perfectly manicured beard, <laughs> but he was small. <laughs> oh, I've never hated you so much. I'm just <laughs> discrediting. <laughs> yeah. No, I love Joni, but yeah, let's. <laughs> yeah, I might be suspicious. Okay, let's move on. Uh, In an interview with Rolling Stone in 1985, Prince, who didn't like talking too much about other artists, he said that he had not fallen in love with a record for 10 years, uh, not since Joni Mitchell's The Hissing of Summer Lawns from 1975. He called that the last album I loved all the way through. Prince was a cocky individual. It worked for him. He could get away with it, but he did not give credit to other people. He always gave credit to Joni Mitchell. Okay, and maybe okay, you're skeptical of these stories. Uh, yeah. So maybe maybe the proof is in uh, the recordings themselves, because Prince recorded, I think, his greatest album of all time. My favorite album by Prince. It's called Sign of the Times, released in 1985. It's a double LP, and if you don't know about Prince or care about him, you should at least try this one because it shows everything he can do in one album. It is two LPs. And it's not everything he can I got do. Him, but I got them both. He, That's one of the albums I have. Yeah. Okay. Well, what do you think of it? I love that album. Yeah. Like I said, there's there's a, there's an ebb and flow with him. Uh, okay. I just don't drink the Kool Aid with the uh, the genius level. I, I think he had a, as much misses as he did hits. But that's okay. He I, did have some misses. But that's 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 great. He should. <laughs> he did have some misses. He did. But um, the hits were. He had a lot more hits than most, and uh, I love the the, the black album that he did, where he like yeah. got scared of the album. 
<laughs> and like, yeah, like shout. Yeah, like I love those stories. It's amazing. Like he's oh, so uh, uh, yeah. he's so connected with his work, and it's um, yeah. There's just certain stuff that like um, the when I actually like listen to the actual song, there's something I'm just like I just can't jam that too much. But yeah, sign of the times front to back is uh, pretty listenable. If I do say so myself, it's very <laughs> listenable. It is. And, and being a Prince fan is so rewarding because there's so much there. There are some misses, no doubt, but this, there's all these stories. There's all this music that we still haven't heard. Uh, it's, it's just fascinating to kind of get yourself lost in that world. If you're a music nerd yeah, and you like Prince at all. And yeah, a sign of the times you've got, you've got rock, you've got funk, R and B, soul, pop music, um, all done in extremely well at just an insanely high level. Yeah. Yes. All instruments played by Prince. Sure. Because uh, he he was a genius, Rye. We will we'll fight to the death on this one. Uh, you can have some misses and still be a genius. Sure. Well, and you so you may know this song. So now I'm, I'm going to recorded proof of uh, Prince's love for Joni Mitchell. There's a song on Sign of the Times called Ballad of Dorothy Parker. Mm-hmm. It's a song about this woman named Dorothy Parker, who he's Prince is enamored by. He somehow ends up with her, even though he's in another relationship. He's ends up, he ends up with her eating some fruit cocktail. He's in a bubble bath with his pants on. You know what? Maybe I should let <laughs> Prince explain it <laughs> better than I could. Well, I ordered. Yeah, let me get a fruit cocktail. I ain't hungry. Dorothy laughed. That sound like a real man to me. You're kind of cute. You wanna take a bath? Do you want Do you want bath? Oh, I said cool. I'm leaving my pants on the side. Cause I'm kinda going with someone. Just that sound like a real man to me. Mind if I turn on the radio. She said, and it was Joni singing. Me, I think I Dorothy Parker was cool, and her favorite song was a Joni Mitchell song. I thought about this with our samples episode. Yeah. This is, dare I say, a genius way to sample music where he literally story. references Joni Mitchell. Yeah. He weaves it into the story. This woman he's in love with. Her favorite song comes on the radio and then Prince sings it within his own song. That's bad as hell. Prince was weird as hell and creative as hell and it worked. So, and and I'll play very quickly. The song by Joni Mitchell helped me the first 15 seconds of it. You'll you'll hear what Prince um, was playing off of. Yeah, that's it. yeah, that's. That, I don't that know. Breath. I, I, I kind of long for a time where uh, you've got someone like Prince who's at the top of the charts. There was a time where you had the number one movie, the number one album mm-hmm. in the country, and he was always weird, and he was always doing creative musical things, and uh, and it, at the same time was insanely popular. Everyone accepted him. Everyone loved him. You talk about covering, that's pretty cool. You talk about it's too bad that I don't think that'll ever people, happen again. And he dominated. Like there's just. 
there's no one like him at that in that era. Oh yeah, and so many great songs. Mm-hmm. He was a great songwriter if, if if that's all he ever did. But what I my point I was trying to make is that um, I am the guy who most of the music I love. It sounds like if my southern dad or grandpa was insanely talented, you know, could yeah. write great songs. It, I love when I feel like it's connected to me. And, but then there are exceptions and Zappa is one, but Prince is mm-hmm. much further down that line where to me, he is like an alien. I love that. It. It's just like, I can't even wrap my mind around how great he is and how different he is from my experiences. I won't say he could do no wrong. Cause he wrote, there were some shitty songs, <laughs> but it, it just kind of seemed like he was from another world. And that is, uh, maybe that's the two things I like the most. Maybe we're figuring something out about me, right? Yeah. I like the, authentic close to home stuff. And I like shit that feels like it's from another planet. So uh, I guess I've talked enough about print and actually I, I'm going to do Prince again. I'll just, that's either a threat or a promise depending on where you stand, but I'll probably do Prince again. But so let's get into, uh, you know what, the song just before you go, like just hearing, yeah. cause I'm hearing you're like, it's funny if I had just met you and we had this conversation, like if Prince you came up me. when we first talked, you would hate me. Yeah. Cause yes, this is what I would hate it, me too. it does bring that out. Like, so I'm, I'm thinking there are people that I've known in my life who have been just like, you know, full on purple Kool-Aid. Um, yeah. And that is same thing with Zappa. Like, uh, I don't know if I've ever told you my history with him, but it was like my guitar teacher was obsessed with him. So it was like every time mm-hmm. I was trying to just, get him to teach me something he was talking about fucking zappa or like he literally had his base like his fucking zoot suit thing so yeah it was like too much like uh Mm -hmm. but i love this i like that we're opening pandora's box here Um, getting your your prince shit i get it can be off-putting i don't like listening to podcasts that are just like fanboy shit yeah Uh, something about prince is just special to me cool um and uh yeah i respect that and i will say now get on with still, it i can still take <laughs> let's hear him butcher my my favorite jody mitchell skill <laughs> i can still take the piss i know <laughs> how fucking funny it is that it's always like the number two and the letter u i mean you know i'm not too too far in but uh yeah <laughs> so this is a case of you yeah. and we're talking about making it your own for whatever reason prince played this song for years and he always played only the second verse in the chorus. That's it. And so that was the second verse mm-hmm. that you heard from Joni. Uh, Prince first played this song in 1983. He just didn't want to say Canada because this is in Canada in the first verse. Oh, yeah. Through the Maybe maps of it. Canada. Another reason to love Prince. <laughs> Minnesota is basically Canada. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> we could take it. <laughs> Prince first played this song in 1983, a live setting in uh, Minneapolis. The live show that actually three songs ended up being on the Purple Rain album. It was Purple Rain, Baby I'm a Star, and one other song. He also played A Case of You at that show, and it was a, a different version than you're about to hear. He played it with electric guitar, and it was more atmospheric. And uh, But what he did in later years, he would play it on the piano, where he had that great acoustic guitar from Joni, which I love. Yeah, um, her acoustic so guitar thing is amazing. Yeah, so good. Yeah, and but Prince goes in a different direction, plays it on the piano, 
second verse and chorus. So let's check that out. This song is the great John Blackwell on the drums, who was a drummer in the New Power Generation from about 2000 to 2004. He sadly died in 2016. He had two brain tumors. Um, he was an incredible drummer. Died at, died at the age of 43, sadly. Uh, everything else is Prince. There's amazing bass, amazing bass on this song. A lot of background vocals we'll get into. Those are all Prince. Obviously, he's doing the lead vocals, playing the piano, playing the bass. Uh, sounds like a genius to me, Ryan. I don't, I don't know <laughs> if you agree, but seems like he's a pretty talented dude. He's a fucking great singer. His uh, the tremolo in his voice, like I mean, obviously he's doing Joni. So like the first the things I'm going to do is like pick up on the stuff that I love about Joni. But he did have that fragility, but that little bit of vibrato in his voice. Um, but he's, he doesn't sound like, this is why I like it as a cover. Cause he's not trying to do the, the Jonies, you know, like the stuff that only yeah. Joni could do. Right. Like the falsettos he's doing them, yes. but it's not hitting in the same that, cause you can almost, uh, Joni's like, she's like a Neil Young or a Bob Dylan or something where you can almost imitate her voice. Right. Um, it's so, because she has uh, such a signature voice. Yeah. yeah. Which, yeah, I think is a smart choice because you're right. You can hear the Joni influence and it's her song. I mean, that's clear, <laughs> but yeah. it sounds like a Prince song also. He's doing his own thing with it. One other, one other little thing, because, you know, I love the little lyrical moments. Um, mm. Joni's, the song, The Case of You, the lyric is, uh, I'm afraid of the devil. And Prince sings, I used to be afraid of the devil. Oh, does he? Which, because he's a Jehovah's Witness, yeah, yeah. there's no nothing to be afraid of anymore, right? <laughs> he's got it all figured out. <laughs> Cheeky bastard. There's a, <laughs> if you listen to it in the Joni one, too, because uh, was it I'm afraid of the devil and I'm afraid of those who aren't? Or like yeah. The, there's there's some, one lyric where she adds an extra word that throws it. 
So it's like, I'm afraid of those who aren't something. And it like, it drops it. Yes. And you're just like, oh my God, Joni, what the fuck? And uh, I did a cool rhythmic yeah, moment. Yeah. Which, which Prince didn't seem to duplicate, which is fine. But, True. but that True. is one thing in the, in the original case of you that I'm, I always hit that when, when she drops that one word in there. Well, and then bringing it back to the theme, that's what's hard about doing a cover song that's so beloved because there will be those little moments that you love, you've heard for 30 years or 40 years. And yeah. a smart cover song, they're not going to try to do those, replicate those little moments. It would no, be silly. No, because those like, moments belong to the original artist. And right. the fact, like you said here, where he's changed it in in the way that you know, he's not afraid of the devil. That is awesome that he inserted that, you know? Yeah. That shows yeah, that the song means something more to him than he's trying to sing this song because it's popular and people will recognize it. He's right. owning it. It's his own. Yeah, yeah. It's his own version. He's trying to create his own moments. Prince, he's making it his own. He, I love the little vamp at the end, a little funky bass. Why not? Yeah. You know, he's doing his own thing, and uh, yeah, it just works for me. And again, I'm not saying it's better than the original, but it's different, and it's it's a great song in its own right. That's what a cover should be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it got when it was instrumental. There were moments when I drift out of it, and I'd be like, "Am I listening to like uh, like am I?" in a shopping mall like listening to <laughs> no. this is a bridge it's not like the whole song has that vibe you know like when he's singing like his voice is so incredible that uh yeah i get that yeah yeah i'm a rock guy deep down and yeah there are moments where it's uh with prince's music where it's you know it doesn't exactly connect and i, I get the uh i would never say mall music <laughs> but it's just because it's clean and it's really well like it's you know yeah and, and, and I, that's a matter I, of I know, personal taste. yeah it's personal taste there and it's just the only time i notice it is when it's just the instrumental stuff but there's no doubt that song meant that that song meant a ton to him he played it in 1983 when he was just about to break huge with mm-hmm. purple rain and he played it at his very last concert he loved Joni mitchell and that's another thing that makes a cover work is true love and appreciation for the original song. Mm-hmm. And what makes this timely is 
don't know if you've heard this, Rye, but Joni Mitchell, she had not played a live full set in 20 years. Mm -hmm. And I was already planning to do this song, but I just saw that on July 23rd, she played at the Newport Folk Festival. Uh, It was a surprise show. She came out with Brandy Carlisle, who was an amazing country Americana artist. She is, yeah. One who's very much, you know, in my wheelhouse down here in Nashville, Tennessee, where she lives. And Brandy Carlisle brought her on stage as a surprise to play the Newport Folk Festival that she last played in 1969. It was a big show for her years ago. Uh, of course, you know, she had a brain aneurysm, which left her unable to speak, sing, walk or play guitar for a long time. Mm-hmm. And here she was at 78 years old, back on stage doing all of these things. And uh, there's a lot of articles about it. People are so excited just to see at least one more show from Joni Mitchell, who they never thought she'd be, they'd be able to see again. And uh, she play, I say a full set. She played about 10 songs. Yeah. And Rye, guess what one of the songs was? It had to be a Prince song, right? A Case of You. Oh, A Case of You. Okay. <laughs> I thought she... she, she paid that would, that would be even better. God damn it. I thought I had the perfect <laughs> fucking story. I was so... I felt like everything finally came together for one of my podcasts. <laughs> and I'm like, Raspberry Beret? Why didn't she play Purple Rain? <laughs> no, she played A Case of You. Yes. Uh, so yeah, it all kind of... It all kind of comes together. Prince's last show and Joni Mitchell's hopefully not her last show, but her first show in uh, a very long time. Mm-hmm. Played her classic song, A Case of You. That's all I got. If I had a mic, well, I do have a mic. I'm not going to drop it because I don't have a lot of money. <laughs> I'm going to break it today. <laughs> all right, Ryan, what, what's, well, hopefully we can edit this thing down and get it out on time. But uh, hey, Yeah, but there's yeah. a lot of good shit in there and I think we should give it some time and uh, make sure we get the good stuff in there and you know, distill it down for something for people to connect to. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to revisit some print stuff with you. I don't know if we do that on the sly on the side in the DMS. If I slip into your DMS there and we go on a little journey or we do something for both, do something in the fucking feed, man. Uh, eventually I vote for both. We'll do it uh, on the slide on here. We got to figure out what we're going to talk about next month because, uh, summer's winding down. It's going to oh, be God. August uh, when this comes out. So, you know, we're two days away from August or whatever. Holy crap. Where does the time go? So it'll be September. It'll be back to school. All right. Is that how it goes? Uh, yeah. Here it's like first week of August. They go back to school. Oh, really? Yeah. It's bad news. That's bad news. We, we, yeah, we got till September until my little one starts kindergarten now. So I don't even know what that's going to be like but we'll keep doing this and uh let's find ourselves a a theme what do you say we go to the generator is that going to work for you or do you want to or do you have any ideas let's go to the generator all right the boss do we have to pay thousands of dollars to do this or (laughs) well here you go you you can pick your tier if you want (laughs) to you can pick a number between one and five one in five thousand. <laughs> yeah. Are you going in the nosebleeds? Where are you going? <laughs> I like the magic number three. 
Ooh, that's a good one. All right. One, two, three, four. When I was just a baby, my mama told me, son. Something about being a child or advice from parents or mama's mama songs. That's yeah. Uh, it's advice songs. That was the idea. Advice songs. So a song that like gives it. some bit of advice, life advice. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. yeah. I, I forgot about that one. I didn't I know where did. it was going at the beginning there. Anytime. Yeah, me either. <laughs> yeah. I like that. It's been so long that we're always surprised. That's good. Yeah, we could do one that's entirely Mama songs. I think that's what that was one of the ones that I was gonna do. But I think Mama I, songs I, needs I, to happen. I spun, I spun it into this one. I think I was gonna do I songs like about Mama, but then I was like, ah, just maybe like motherly advice or fatherly advice, even just advice in yeah. general. Advice. Yeah, I like it. I think I think that'll be a fun one. So uh, we'll pick a song from our respective countries that. Uh, that supplies guidance in these troubling times. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. I don't know why you're still here, but I'm still having fun. So I'm glad that you are. Brian, I love you, buddy. Love you too, buddy. Talk to you later.